0: I'm Bob Avant with Avant Farms in Taylor, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today.
1: Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin.
2: Hello Texas, we have got another week rolling and I've got another episode rolling for you of Texas Ag Today. All you gotta do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're gonna take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture in the news today input costs and supply chain problems continue as we try to get a 2023 spring crop in the ground we'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show my name is carrie martin i'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the lone star state And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley.
0: Planting time is coming soon to the Texas High Plains, but a lot of farmers are having difficulty deciding what to plant. I'm James Hunt and I'll have that story on Texas Ag today.
3: How beef research has forever impacted global beef demand. That was one of the topics discussed at the recent Cattle Raisers Convention and Expo in Fort Worth. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have comments from one of the participants of a panel discussion on this topic on Texas Ag Today. Recent rains across the coastal band brings much needed moisture to
4: resume spring planting. This is Harvey Buring reporting from the Corpus Christi area.
2: We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Spring crops are now going in the ground here in Texas, but farmers are still dealing with high input costs and a shortage of equipment and parts. Robert Gordon farms in the Dalhart area. He says it all started with COVID-19 back in 2020.
0: You know, we blame COVID on it and COVID was a cause of a lot of this. I can remember telling my boys, you know, when COVID, everybody's talking about, it, I said, you're not going to see the effects of this COVID. You're going to see it for the next several years. It's going to get worse before it gets better. We're seeing that worse. You know, we're having a hard time getting parts. When you got to wait months to get a part for a tractor, you know, we can't be down that long. The manufacturers are behind on building stuff. Uh, I was told earlier by one of the manufacturers that, you know, they're production coming out the line is about half what it was a few years ago it's just because they don't have people working.
2: Gordon feels that we depend too heavily on other countries to manufacture the things that we need to produce a crop here in the U.S. The issue of payment limits for federal farm programs came up again last week during a Senate Agriculture Committee hearing. Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley always brings the issue up, And he's in favor of putting stricter limits on payments for large farms. But Texas farmer Sean Holliday is questioning that strategy.
0: Some of the things that you hear in the news and some of the things that they talk about are talking about corporate farms. I drive by farms every day all day long and don't drive by a corporate farm. They're all families and groups of families and longtime employees that are raising their families on farms.
2: Holiday says he's followed the government's advice to get bigger and more efficient to the point to where there are now five families plus his that are depending on the success of his farm.
0: We have raised these operations up to economy of scale, and uh, now we're being told after we got efficient and we were told that we needed to be more efficient over the last 30 years, we come to a point now where uh, the message is uh, we need to quit funneling, funneling money to large operations.
2: Senator Grassley's payment limit ideas may gain some traction with the current administration's focus on supporting small farms. Nominations are now open for the American Lamb Board. USDA is taking nominations for five positions on the board. One for a producer with 100 or fewer lambs. One for a producer with more than 500 lambs. One for a feeder with 500 or fewer lambs. One for a first handler. And one for a seed stock producer. You can find more information on the American Lamb Board at lambresourcecenter.com. Planting time is coming soon to the Texas High Plains, but James Hunt says farmers there may be having a tough time trying to decide what to plant.
5: It's almost April, and the majority of the farmers that I talked to still aren't real sure what they're going to plant coming up here in the next six to eight weeks.
0: That's Dee Dee Jones, who serves the Texas High Plains as a risk management specialist for Texas AM AgriLife. Jones says for many farmers who are indecisive about what to plant, concern about our region's continuing lack of rain is kind of blocking out the signals the markets are sending.
5: A lot of the times when we're looking at what's going to go in the field, we'll look at a corn to soybean price ratio, and that's going to show how many corn acres are going to go in. Or we'll look at, in this area, more commonly we look at a corn to cotton price ratio. And as of right now, those ratios are favoring more corn acres. But our guys don't have the underground moisture conditions right now to put in a lot of corn.
0: Now, if we get some good rains between now and planting time, a lot of farmers' plans could change. Jones does suggest, however, that farmers might want to think about silage production, which offers benefits in water management and a pretty strong market thanks to our local dairies.
5: Forever and ever, we would assume that corn silage would be nine times the price of corn. This year it's running more like 13, 14 times that price of corn. And so if these guys could do a silage contract, whether it's corn or sorghum, you're going to lock in that price and that's going to reduce the price risk. It's going to reduce the basis risk. And overall, you're going to put fewer inputs on those silages than you are going to do on the grain crops.
0: Once again, that's Dee Dee Jones with Texas A&M AgriLife in Amarillo. In tomorrow's report, we'll hear her thoughts on those high interest rates and working with a lender. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
2: Beef research and global beef demand was one of many topics discussed at the Texas and Southwestern Cattle Raisers Convention in Fort Worth over the weekend. Tom Nicoletti has more. My guest from
3: Fort Worth is Dan Hallstrom. He is president and chief executive officer of the U.S. Meat Export Federation. And, uh, Dan, you served on a panel that opened the Cattle Raisers Convention and Expo uh, this past weekend in Fort Worth. And uh, uh, on that panel, you folks talked about uh, how beef research roadmap has forever impacted global beef demand uh, Tell us what kind of information was exchanged.
6: Yeah, Tom, thank you. It it really revolved around the necessity uh, and the the key value of uh, research that is done on behalf of the beef industry uh, through Chekhov. Specifically, we had a lot of focus on nutritional research. We had a lot of focus on food safety research, for example, and uh, how that translates into business and demand for U.S. beef. I spoke on a global portion of things, but there's a gentleman there from H-E-B that spoke on a domestic side. So it was really a pretty good, well-rounded uh, look at really the benefit uh, and the value of our great story around uh, nutrition, safety, et cetera. You know, we, we covered a lot of other topics as well. We, we we had a discussion around the plant-based trend lines out there, not only in the U.S., but globally as well. We also you know, had a discussion around uh, overall the branding. What are the opportunities on branding of value-added programs, things like this, which both domestically and internationally, of course, are growing as well. But once again, you get back to this research as kind of the foundation of that demand.
3: That is Dan Hallstrom of the U.S. Meat Export Federation. He is president and CEO of the USMEF. Joining me today from the Cattle Raisers Convention and Expo 2023 in Fort Worth. I'm Tom Nicoletti at the Texas Farm
2: Bureau Radio Network. Recent rains across the Texas coastal bend have brought much needed moisture for spring planting. Harvey Buring has more from Corpus Christi. Well, the lack of topsoil moisture needed to complete spring
4: planting activities halted the seeding of the shallower seeded crops like cotton here about a week to two weeks ago. But fortunately, some light showers occurred from the 17th through the 20th across most of the coastal bend, and most locations received between three-tenths to just over an inch during that time period, and that has Put smiles back on the face of cotton farmers and they hope to resume planting activities in the days ahead. There's still a good bit of grain sorghum that also needs to be planted, but it is estimated that as little as 15 to 20 percent of the coastal bend cotton crop has been planted. So a lot of acres still need to be moved across with platters, putting that seed in the ground and hopefully. That process can be completed by the end of the month and we'll be able to get our spring crops here in the Coastal Bend off to a good start. Livestock producers also appreciating a rain stimulates some grass growth for cattle who've been surviving on hay and limited pasture for the past few months. More rain needed here in the Coastal Bend just like more rain is needed across the state of Texas. Hopefully it'll be coming soon, later this spring. Reporting from the Coastal Bend area, this has been Harvey Buring.
7: A highly contagious bird disease that has led to the deaths of more than 58 and a half million domestic birds has been found in a skunk in Texas. I'm Jessica Domel and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today.
2: And all new foals should receive good quality colostrum. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next right here on Texas Ag Today.
1: We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas
2: Ag Today. New foals should receive good quality colostrum, but Dr. Bob Judd says quality can be a subjective term.
8: There's no transfer of antibodies from the mare to the foal prior to birth. All antibodies to fight off disease must be ingested by the foal in the first 24 hours of life through the colostrum or first milk. The amount of immunoglobulin G, or IgG, determines the quality of the colostrum. You can test the foal after ingestion of the colostrum for antibodies at about 8 to 12 hours after ingestion, but this is after the fact. A study was performed at Colorado State to determine the quality of the marriage colostrum immediately after birth and evaluate the relationship between colostrum quality and foal antibodies at 12 hours after birth. In the study, colostrum samples were collected from 229 mares immediately after foaling, and a BRICS refractometer was used to evaluate the quality of the colostrum. The colostrum of mares that had previously foaled was compared to colostrum from maiden mares, and the age of the mares was also considered. Colostrum from mares less than 10 years of age were compared to mares 1 to 14 years of age, 15 to 19 years, and greater than 20 years of age. Of the 229 mares' sampled, 30% had very good quality colostrum, 20-29% to 29% had good quality, 15-19% to 19% were fair, and less than 14% had poor quality colostrum. There was no difference between maiden mares and those that had foaled previously, and no differences in colostrum due to the age of the mares. Foals nursing mares with fair and poor quality colostrum had low IgG levels, so using a BRICS refractometer to determine the quality of the mares' colostrum is an economical method to make sure foals get adequate immunoglobulins at birth. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A highly
2: contagious bird disease has been found in a skunk here in Texas. Jessica Domel has the details in today's Wildlife Report.
7: A striped skunk found in the Texas Panhandle has tested positive for highly pathogenic avian influenza. It is the first confirmed case of HPAI in a mammal in Texas. According to the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, the skunk was found in Carson County, which is east of Amarillo. HPAI is a highly contagious virus that transmits easily among wild and domestic birds date, more than 58.5 million domestic birds have died as a result of HPAI. HPAI can spread easily between animals and indirectly through environmental contamination. According to TPWD, current data shows that transmission to mammals occurs primarily through the consumption of infected animal carcasses. They say mammal-to-mammal transmission does not appear sustainable. Other mammals that are susceptible to HPAI include foxes, raccoons, bobcats, Cats, opossums, mountain lions, and black bears. Symptoms include incoordination, stumbling, tremors, seizures, lack of fear of humans, lethargy, coughing and sneezing, or sudden death. Because the disease is transmitted easily, TPWD is recommending that wildlife rehabilitators remain cautious when taking in animals with these symptoms. They recommend quarantining animals with the symptoms to limit potential spread. The transmission risk of HPAI from infected birds to people remains low, but the department says the public should take basic protective measures when coming into contact with wild birds. Wear gloves, face masks, and be sure to wash your hands. If you find a wild animal with HPAI, PAI symptoms, contact your local TPWD biologist. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domo.
2: Cattle and cotton both started the trading week with a bang. We'll check out all of Monday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today.
1: We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today.
2: It was a great way to start the trading week on Monday with sharply higher closes in cattle, cotton, and grains. The cattle market getting a technical boost starting back on Friday and following through into Monday. We started off with a bang with April live cattle jumping at $1.90, 90 June up $2.27, 27 87 The August up 217 at 158.60. Same thing on the feeder cattle. March feeders jumped 270 to close at 192.35. The April up 282, 197.62. May back above the $200 mark, it was up 382 to close at 201.37. Cash-fed cattle market quiet on Monday, as we usually see. We wrapped up last week selling cattle here in the south, 162 to 163. That's a buck lower compared to the previous week. Up north, dressed cattle sold mostly two hundred sixty four to two hundred sixty five. That's a buck higher than the previous week. Moxed beef prices higher Monday choice up twenty eight cents at two hundred eighty sixteen. Select up sixteen cents, two hundred sixty nine thirty six. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. I spoke with Rodney Butler Sunday night about the cattle sale he had in Beeville on Friday.
9: Rodney, were you impressed with the tone of the market? We had a strong, steady market Friday. I thought the market was good, had good cattle. Walk the pans with us, please. All right, we had 334 head of cattle, two horses, and seven goats. And your two to 300 pound steers were $1.80 to $2.45. Heifers $1.42 to $1.75. 300 to 400 pound steers, $204 to $250. Heifers $1.74 to $220. Your 400 to 500 pound steers, $2.16 to $2.55. Heifers $1.76 to $2.10. Your 500 to 600 pound steers, $1.90 to $2.18. Heifers $1.69 to $1.94. 600, 700 seven hundred pound steers a dollar seventy to dollar ninety-five. Heifers a dollar fifty-four to dollar seventy-five. Seven 800 hundred pound steers a dollar forty-nine to dollar sixty-six. Heifers were a dollar to a dollar Packer cows were sixty-four to $1. one. Packer bulls brought from ninety to a dollar fifteen. Young stalker cows brought anywhere from seventy-three dollars to a dollar With some bred cows, dollar and a around that thirteen thirty-four. What are you anticipating for this week? Uh, I know of several bunches of calves coming. I know we're gonna have a good set of beefmaster calves coming from one man. And then. We're going to have that special sale, special consignment sale. This Friday at 11 o'clock. Gonna have some good Bremer pairs. If anybody's looking for Bremer pairs, several of them got Bremer heifers on them. The rest will have Bremer bull calves. Then got some good black baldy cows. They got a little ear to them. Gonna have most of them will be pairs. Some good Brangus cows to go along with them. And then there's a set of tiger striped cows that are probably around that five to seven year old. They got good Beef Master calves on them, sir. Tell everybody how to contact you. Yeah, call me there at cell barn at 361 358 1727. Or y'all call me on my mobile 645 5002. Well, neighbor, there's your livestock auction report we'll see you next time right here as we
2: walk the pens I'm Larry marble for Texas Ag today back over to the futures trade now where lean hogs finished higher on Monday April hogs up a dollar 45 it's 78.62 the May contract up a dollar five 86. 72 class three milk was lower March milk dropped three cents 1807700 weight the April contract down 10 at 1983. Big jump in the cotton markets, traders shrugging off all of the negative financial news that's been weighing heavily on cotton prices and starting to look forward to Friday's USDA prospective plantings report. The average trade guess is for USDA to come out with 11 million acres in their prospective planted cotton acreage. The range of guesses right now, 10.5 to 12.7 million. That report comes out on Friday. May cotton up 298 points Monday, closing at 79.82. July up 282, 79.99. With new crop December cotton up 235 points at 80.75 cents. The corn market getting support from the continued string of export sales. USDA coming out Monday with another report of 4.5 million bushels of U.S. corn sold to unknown destinations. May corn up five and a quarter, 6.48 and a quarter. July corn up six and three quarters, 6.29 and three quarters. With September corn up nine and a quarter, 5.78 and a half. The wheat market getting support from the weather cold freezing temperatures throughout the southwestern plains and as far south as the Texas Panhandle and more possibly to come. So that boosted wheat prices a bit on Monday. July Kansas City wheat up 13 and a quarter, 847 and a half, July Chicago wheat up nine and a half at 709 and a half. In the energy markets, April natural gas down 11 cents, 209 may west texas crude up 359 at 72.85 a barrel the financial markets mixed monday afternoon the dow up 211 points 32,449 the nasdaq down 43 at 11,780 the s&p up 10 3,981 that wraps up our look at the markets and that wraps up this edition of texas ag today I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas
1: Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmburo.org